On June 16, 1858, Abraham Lincoln stood in the state capital of Springfield, Illinois. He was the Republican candidate for U.S. Senate that year. He went off on to uh, lose that election to Stephen Douglas, but as we all know, he came back. And he said some amazing words that still stay with us to this day. It was just a year after the infamous Dred Scott decision of the U.S. Supreme Court, which held that slavery was legal in each state or territory based on what that state or territory decided on their own. There were no national standards. And so Lincoln stood up that day and said these words. A house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall. But I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or all another. And he was right. And it took a dreadful, terrible civil war for the United States to finally do the right thing and abolish the institution of slavery. Well, here we are this weekend, you know, it's Independence Day, and uh, some of us have flags out in front of our houses like I do, and, uh, or if you're like me, you might be missing the opportunity to... to either march or watch the annual 4th of July parade we have here in Piedmont. Um, there's one thing I'm not gonna miss so much this year and that is having to watch fireworks because I'm fed up with fireworks these days. There have been so many going off all over the place so I can do without fireworks. But even so, even as we celebrate our independence, we all know that in our nation today, we're still awfully divided. We're not civil war divided, but we're divided nonetheless. So the gospel lesson this morning rings a bell for us, both in the sense of it draws us back to what Lincoln said 142 years ago, and it reminds us a bit of where we are today. So listen now for God's word to you from the third chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Then he went home, that is Jesus, and the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. And Jesus called them to him, and he spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. And then... His mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, 
Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, we pray you'll grant us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the hearts and minds to understand your word and your world as best we can today. Amen. Well, the poet Robert Frost wrote that home is the place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. Well, when we open up this gospel passage in Mark today, Jesus himself has just come home from spending a few hectic weeks out in the countryside and in various places preaching and teaching and healing and casting out demons. And when he shows up to get to his place, his home, there's this huge crowd there. So many people that he can't even get inside his own house to, as it says in Greek, grab a piece of bread. In fact, there are so many people that it's a pretty uh, mixed crowd, too. There are scribes, that is, religious scholars, who've come all the way from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They've heard that he has been riling people up with what seems to them like a whole bunch of wild talk and magic tricks. And they want to put a stop to it in the name of law and order. So they make an accusation about the source of his power. Jesus, where does he get that power from, that he can cure people and cast out demons? And they say, he's possessed by Beelzebul. And by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. Well, then Jesus responds in words that so struck Lincoln that he couldn't help but recall them in his own time of conflict. Jesus says, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. In other words, even if you were to assume that Jesus is demon-possessed himself, the very act of casting out demons, of doing exorcism, that is, dividing Satan's house against itself, that proves that the devil is losing his grip on power. It proves that Jesus is stronger than the devil. Now, I realize we all have, you know, different opinions on the the reality or the existence of the devil as uh, the incarnation of evil, but be that as it may, what Jesus is doing, his aim, is to do whatever he can to destroy the power of evil wherever it exists. He's going to tear it down. He's going to divide it brick by brick, stone by stone, person by person. And then we come to Jesus' family. You know, the the folks who uh, know him and love him the best, his mom, his sisters and brothers, These are the people who we come to at the end of the chapter, and you know what? They seem to be convinced that their beloved Jesus has completely lost all of his marbles. It says in Greek, they're worried that he is beside himself. 
So they're coming to take him away. And he says in response, Who are my mother and my brothers? Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my mother and sister and brother. And I'm sure his family was just totally thrilled to hear that. And that's where the scripture passage comes to an end. And it, it gives us two basic lessons for us to pay attention to. First of all, there's the inescapable reality of conflict and division. It's not just that there are some evil folks out there who, you know, are out to get Jesus, or out to get you and me either, for that matter. No, Jesus himself causes division, including in his own family. And then there are the other people that he meets who come to see him. There's divisions that he causes or that occur when people see Jesus or approach Jesus or come to him. There are people who ignore him, but then there's the crowd, this huge crowd of people who are attracted to Jesus basically only because of what he can do for them, how he can make them feel, how he can make them feel happy or or, or healthy, or safe, or accepted, or whatever. And then finally, there are people who will give all they have. They'll give it up in order to follow Jesus as his disciples. There are those who think that playing by the rules, whether those rules have to do with religion, or civility, or discretion, or whatever, they think that's all that really counts in order to be a Christian or a religious person. And then there are those who know that to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself is the fundamental core, the North Star, by which you can judge any other rule and any other law. The point is there are divisions in this world it's not necessarily a bad thing either because, you know, conflict can spur us on to creativity and uh, growth and the pursuit of justice. And division can lead us to embrace some pretty hard truths, whether those truths are about ourselves or about the, the things or the people that influence us. It's just that when it solidifies and polarizes us into antagonistic camps, Division can paralyze our ability to do God's will, to do what's right for our community. And that leads me to the second point of the passage, that a big part of what it means to be a Christian is to decide which side you're on. Whatever your other identities might be, whether it's nation or party or social location or uh, race, or whatever it is, you and I, we follow Jesus. Not that those other identities are bad or wrong or that you have to get rid of them or anything like that. It's just that our ultimate trust and allegiance is to Christ. And God knows none of us ever come close to totally fulfilling that commitment. Really love how Phyllis McGinley put it. The wonderful thing about saints is that they were human. 
They lost their tempers, got hungry, scolded God, were egotistical or testy or impatient in their turns, made mistakes and regretted them. Still, they went on doggedly blundering toward heaven with eyes and arms and hearts wide open. You know, the truth is that you and I and everybody else, we're a complex combination of saint and sinner. So how do we doggedly blunder toward heaven? And how do we do it together when there seems to be so much that's dividing us? Well, it's not easy. Nobody ever said being a Christian would be easy, certainly not Jesus. But he did promise to send us help for the journey ahead. And that help is the Holy Spirit. The Anglican Bishop J.V. Taylor describes the Spirit as that power which opens eyes that are closed, hearts that are unaware, and minds that shrink from too much reality. And you know, next week at Piedmont Community Church, we are going to try to tap into some of that power guided by the Spirit. We're going to have an online experience that's called Living Room Conversations. Maybe you've read about it in The Messenger. There's all the information you need on the front page of our uh, website, our homepage. And you can sign up there to take part as well. The thing is, in a time of deep division in our society, we need to figure out how to talk to one another about important issues in a respectful way, and maybe even find some common ground. So next Sunday from 4 to 5.30 p.m., we're going to gather by Zoom in groups of about five or six people each. Each one's going to be moderated by a member of Piedmont Community Church, who's been trained to moderate. The topic is faith and politics. Yeah, I know, it's the stuff we were all probably told never to talk about in polite company. Well, I get that, but we're going to do it because if we're ever going to move ahead as a community, let alone as a nation, to do the things God wants us to do to seek justice and love kindness and love our neighbors as ourselves. If we're ever going to be able to do any of that as Christians, we need to learn and model how to talk and how to walk together. So join us next week. And in the meantime, when you get anywhere near people that you don't already live with, please, in God's name, wear a mask. Wear a mask. Nothing wrong with wearing a mask. I mean, of all the things, I've been reading about this, how people don't want you to wear masks, people want you to wear, of all the things that could possibly divide us, I can't for the life of me figure out why wearing a mask in order to, to keep people from getting sick has become controversial. I guess it just goes to show how far we have let ourselves get divided these days that almost anything can polarize us. I mean, talk about a divided house in danger of a fall. But we're not going to fall. 
not going to fail, not as a nation, not as a community, not if we figure out how to walk and talk again and do what we can to promote life and keep one another safe. Yeah, as Lincoln said in his speech, the result is not doubtful. If we stand firm, we shall not fail. You know, in many religions and cultural traditions, a house is a symbol for your whole self. It's where you live, the seat of your soul. It's the place where God Almighty dwells within you. So this Independence Day weekend, I invite you to take a look inside. What's going on in your own house? Or as the Quakers say, how is it today with your soul? And ask yourself, what can I do about all the clutter in there? All the stuff that divides my attention, the stuff that trips me up, stirs me up, and keeps me from doing God's will and a spirit of love and compassion? Open your house to God and let the Holy Spirit set you free. In Jesus' name, amen.